What is up, good people of Houston, Texas fans everywhere? Welcome in to Texans All Access on a wonderfully hot Monday. Hopefully, a week from today, it won't be as hot. Just wait. What's the forecast? I don't. know. It's just hot. Like, like if you're meteorologist, yeah, it's you know it's Houston. I, I listen. I don't want to take anything away from the great meteorologists in this town because I'm telling you, when it comes time for a hurricane or a major weather event, they're all over it. They do a great job. But there are times I think they've got to look at their job and go, what's it going to be today, Jimmy? Well, it's going to be hot and sunny. This has been rinse, lather, repeat. Yeah, this is. They're all praying for rain. Right. Well, you might get some. There's some moisture up here in Nova Scotia. Right. And we might be able to get some of that. No. But maybe not. That's not happening. You know what it is in New Orleans, though? It's low 90s. And right now that sounds good, actually. I know. That's how bad it is when low 90s sounds good. Ooh. (laughs) I know. know. My wife said to me uh, the other day, she's out in L.A. with my daughter, and she's like, well, it was 84 the other day. I'm like, I don't give two rips. It was 104 here. I want you to add 20 degrees onto that and then tell me how you feel, champ. How does that taste? Yeah, how does that taste? taste uh, i was like 84 I'd, I'd take that i would take that in a are you heartbeat. kidding That's oh my goodness well new orleans is for next week miami is for this week and we'll get to miami after a little bit but mark and i have to respond in some way shape or form to what happened today at practice mark we had our first brouhaha i love that word a brouhaha we had a fracas at practice and i'll be honest i was standing right there i was i watched the play yeah and I have no idea what happened. Well, you never know what people say, what the history is, the mini history of things. Right. There was a little bit of one yesterday. Right. And D'Amico liked it. And then today, he knows that boys will be boys. They're out there. It's 100 degrees. Mm-hmm. You're knocking heads. It's football. And things happen. People have feelings about what's going on between them out there. They were pretty physical today. I thought, yeah. dang, this is physical. Day off tomorrow. So maybe that has something to do with it. They go three on, one off, three on, one off. That's pretty much been the pattern all training camp long. And I like it. I like what I see. I don't want them to get into fights, obviously, during games, mm-hmm. 15-yard penalties, during practice. You don't want to see guys get hurt. But it was competitive today. They're getting on each other's nerves out there. And it is such the right time mm-hmm. to have the next two weeks happen with two joint practices with the Dolphins this week two joint practices with the Saints next week. So after that, after the Saints game, you are in scout team mode. You're no longer going really hard physically against each other. You're going against other teams the way it should be. Can I interest you in a days of training camp remaining stat? Yes. Ready? Okay. Yes. So today is the 14th, right? Right. I finished practice today. So August 27th, we play the Saints, New Orleans, 7 o'clock, kick in New Orleans. Uh, can't wait for that. I mean, yep. Sunday night games, you get pumped for that. Okay. So 14th today, 27th that day against the Saints. 13 days. In that time, there are four days off, mm-hmm. four player days off. There are two days of just walkthroughs before the preseason games. Right. There are four joint practice days with the Dolphins and the Saints. There are two games against the Dolphins and the Saints. Now, if you do the math on that, that's 12. 4 2 4 2. That's 12. That means there's only one practice remaining of just the Texans. Wow. Only one training camp practice of just the Texans and in that's, training camp. And that's Monday? No, it's that's Monday after the, um, the 
Dolphins. All right, so that's a day. They'll have Sunday off. Right. Sunday's definitely a day off. Sunday's Monday's got to be a reasonably tough practice. That's got to be the one. Then you travel to New Orleans Tuesday, day off Wednesday, but then right. Saints Thursday, Saints Friday, walk through Saturday, yeah. play game Sunday. So it's four players day off, a player days off, two days of walkthrough preceding the games, four joint practices with the Dolphins and Saints, two games against the Dolphins and Saints, one practice of just the Texans remaining in training For camp. them to get into fights with themselves. Right. So that's all we're going to see. That's Instead, we'll see. see fights with other teams coming up with these joint practices, and that's right. really what people want to see. But I think I looked at it that way. Once Wednesday hits, it's 12 days, mm-hmm. and half the days are head-to-head real action with another right. opponent. Right. So that's cool. And then after the Saints game, the morning, the next morning, they're going to start making cuts. Yes. And we're going to be on the air Monday morning on the 28th, and we'll be – they won't announce anything at that point, of course, but we'll be seeing the results on mm-hmm. Twitter, mm-hmm. X, on X. Whatever. It's so stupid. Come up with a – look, if you're going to change the name, come up with another name than X. It's like we called Prince, Prince, even though he came up with the symbol, and then Prince just said, you know what, everybody's just calling me Prince, so I'm going to go back to Prince. You think they're going to go back to Twitter? You know what? You know what I thought about? New Coke. Should. New Coke. Now, Coke some people are to too Coke. young to remember in the 80s. This Coke, is dated now. This is so dated. They this came dated. up with a new recipe of Coke. Mm-hmm. Nobody liked it. It was called New Coke, and nobody liked it. They thought it tasted too much like Pepsi. If you like Pepsi, I'm sorry, but that's just the way people felt. Yeah. And then they brought back Coke as Coke Classic, and then eventually they just got rid of New Coke, and they went to Coke again, right. the real recipe. So maybe in a branding sense, he realizes, I'm going back to Twitter. Because even getting rid of the blue mm-hmm. and the little the bird thing on my the icon on my phone to open up the app, I can't tell you how many times early on I was scrolling by the X because I'm yeah. like, where's the oh yeah I'm looking for the X now. Well, here's the other thing: the athletic. If you have the athletic, the athletic app is a black A, so oh, it looks black. Like it's, it's a black background with a white A, yeah. and it looked the same. And I can't tell you the number of times I've actually clicked on that A and went, dang it, no, it's the you know. So you you've got that going on. Too, but e- either way, we digress. We di- we digress. It, it it was a, I felt like the offense today was as good as I can remember, and I do think there were a couple things to go with that I felt I like theory on all this. quarterbacks threw the ball well. Mm-hmm. All quarterbacks threw the ball well. I thought Davis had one of his better throwing practices that I've seen in a long time, maybe if ever. He was he was dot even in completions he was dotting them. There was one that he threw down a seam to Vanette, and Jake Hansen was hip to hip, but it was one of those balls that somehow got. To Vanette, but it just got on him so fast and he wasn't expecting it because Hanson was in such good coverage he didn't catch it. But even even incompletions were were pretty good throws. There was one bad throw by CJ. He threw he threw off his back foot with no sauce on it against the blitz that Steven Nelson picked off in man coverage. That was it. That was the only bad throw really. Made some nice plays. CJ some made nice some throws. Nice plays. Nice today. throws today. Davis nice throws. EJ Perry. How about the throw he had in the back of the end zone? That was nice. But here's the one thing that stood out to me the most, Mark. I saw the run game with more wrinkles and and different schemes today than either I haven't seen them in a while or I've never seen them from this group. Mm. Now, I've seen a lot of the concepts, but a lot of the concepts today were, huh, okay. And you could tell because the run game had some success, and you get that point – for a defense, and you're like, oh, this is going to be this play. And then you start seeing the block, and you're like, well, wait, oh, 
Oh, man, I hadn't oh, really? seen that before. Okay, that's yeah, good. Yeah, there were some run game concepts today that I really, really liked. Um, and I I felt like I wrote in my, my Harris hits, Bobby Sloak was right in front of me, and every time I saw a new one, I wanted to go up and, like, dap him up like, Coach, good one, because wow. there were some different stuff. Now, it's stuff – some stuff that we've seen in iterations of the 49ers and this this offense, but there was some other stuff where I was like, "Ooh, I like I like that, I like that." I mean, they were and they ran them a few times, and so I felt like the offense was on it today. It felt it felt good. It felt like it was complete. Like passing game, run game were kind of working together. There were still some moments where the run game had had some struggles, but look, Will Anderson didn't practice today, so that helped. Yeah, and there were some run wrinkles that I thought helped. I as was well. going to bring that up. Will Anderson's practice yesterday yeah. was. A phenomenal camp practice. Unbelievable. They couldn't get anything done. <laughs> yeah. It was almost like you had to pull him out of practice so the mm-hmm. offense can effectively practice yeah. because he was destroying everything in his path. Everything. And it was really fun to see. Now, today he didn't practice. Had a day off. Offense looked better. I'm thinking, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Not that – look, I don't want to put him in Canton, Johnny. Correct. But that was a really promising rookie practice. Yes. Look, we've seen Tank Dell have these explosive practices – I'm not putting Tank Dell in Canton either, but it's great to see your young players. We saw it with Pierce last year. Mm-hmm. It's great to see your young players shine like that because it shows you some glimpses of the upside. Yeah. And you want to see a whole lot of those glimpses when you get into regular season play. So I thought that was cool. I thought CJ threw the ball well today. There were some really nice plays. Look, this is what you want to see. Take a step forward. Yesterday wasn't the best practice for the offense. Today better. Now you get the Dolphins coming in. I am jacked up to yeah. see this. We're in our gym. We're not really in a gym. We're on a field, yeah, yeah. but it's an expression. You get the point. And I can't wait, you know, seeing my friends from Miami, seeing the Dolphins here, all their talent, seeing how the Texans respond to it defensively and offensively. Outstanding test for this team. Then next week, the Saints, they look pretty good. Derek Carr threw a TD pass. I think the sna- the Saints are sneaky hot in that NFC, which is wide open. Yeah, Derek Carr looked, I, th- I thought, pretty good. Jameis looked good. Uh, all the Saints looked pretty good. One interesting aspect, I think, about the the Dolphins versus the Texans, when you go look at depth charts and you look at rookies, like, you know, our lads is a good depth chart to look at. And so they've got the rookies labeled in green. Yeah. They color code things. There's not a rookie starting on that team. That's a veteran yeah, roster, a yeah. veteran roster. And even the one, they have two of them. One of them just got hurt, Cam Smith. And we may not say Jalen Waddle because he's been banged up, which would stink because he's coming back to Houston. Uh, and I think the secondary needs to see some guys with some serious jets. They will see Tyreek Hill, but they may not see Jalen uh, Waddle just due to some of the injuries he's that's dealing enough. with. But, but that's okay. But the guy we're going to see plenty of Saturday is our good friend who is on our preseason broadcast. He's going to be joining us for a lot of things on Texans Radio, Texans OGs. He joined us for Texas Monday. His name is Andy Kalou, if you don't know, and he was a little mad at me because I actually erroneously referred to him as a guest. I'm a little hurt. John called me a guest. I thought I was part of the family now. I yeah, thought I was you, your play cousin. I, what, what do you mean, that, guest, John? No, I, you, <laughs> I, I should word. have said our brother's joining us. That's what I should have said. <laughs> there you I, go. I just, yeah, it's our brother, Indy Kalu. That's the way we're going to put it. You're, you're right. You're, you, are, you are in the family for sure, Indy. Um, and we won't make you share a room with John McClain. You get your own room when we get our beach house for vacation. I, I love it. Oh, are we I doing love this? It. I, didn't, I didn't know this. this would be, that would be fun. Beach house. That yes. would be a fun next beach summer, house vacation. Next summer, we're on. Okay, Andre. McLean and Aaron Wilson McLean. in one room. And he <laughs> gets his own room. <laughs> McLean and Aaron Wilson roommates. All right. ND, 
Great job the other night on the preseason premiere, Texans at New England. That was great. I know you've done TV games before. You've done some Texans radio before in the preseason. Uh, how did you feel it went? How, how did it feel being in the booth with Kevin Kugler and being part of that experience? You know, just the whole team was awesome, and y'all made it so easy leading up to the game with the practice runs that we have. Uh, listening to John and what he says about the players. I do steal some of his nuggets out there, but I always make sure, you know, to give him his props. But, nah, it, it was fun, and I really appreciated just the opportunity. And Kevin Kugler, I mean, you talk about one of the best play-by-play guys for television. You know, we all know who's the best for radio when it comes to play-by-play, but for right. television, Kevin Kugler is one of the best out there. So it just made it so easy. It, it was fun. It's like riding a bike. I was a little bit nervous because, like you mentioned, I can't even remember the last game I called. It was a college game probably four or five years ago. But once you get started, you're just talking about the greatest sport in the world. So it it becomes easy. Indy, as you're going through the game, I would imagine, you know, like you said, you know, going through nerves and just kind of working through, you know, teaming up with with, uh, Kevin, et cetera. As you got through the second half, did you kind of start getting in a groove? And also, were you able to kind of make mental notes of, oh, I like what this guy looks like, I like what this guy looks like? Or did it take you kind of going back and watching the game later to have the, that feeling and that those thoughts? You know what? No, as the game goes on, you're like, oh, I really like what I'm seeing from the defense. And one thing about, you know, you asked the question, do you like certain players and do you notice it during the game? On the offensive side, there were players like Mike Boone. I was like, oh, I like what he brings to the team. Yep. Um, obviously, Case Keenum. It, 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 I feel stupid that I was surprised at how, how good he looked because it's Case Keenum, but he looked very efficient. He looked like a leader out there. But with the defense, John, it was like, I like this unit. You, you know, I found myself yeah. saying, man, I like all four of the front rushers. I like the way they're pursuing to the ball. So that was pretty cool when when I was evaluating the defense, talking about the defense. It wasn't just one guy. It was what I liked as a unit. And D, you played a long time in the league. What's it like to play in a preseason game, especially in the second half for a veteran where you know that you have to show out. You're playing football, but you know it's a preseason context as well. How do you approach that? How is that? Different players approach it differently. So you have some guys, even in the second half, if they're playing, they've already made the team, so they're just working on certain moves. Then you have guys, and I've been through all of the experiences, then you have guys where they're trying to make the team. Like I mentioned to Kevin Kugler in the second half, I said for many of these guys out here, this game means more than a regular season game for the players playing in a regular season game. And what I mean by that, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to live out their dreams. So, you know, a lot of people are – thinking, oh, this doesn't matter. It's a preseason game. But for those guys on the field, especially the ones who have to play in the second half, this is their Super Bowl. This is them trying to open eyes, not just for the Houston Texans, for the entire league. So there's some intense plays going. But then you have other guys, because it's a numbers game, it's like, I'm going to make the team, so let me just work on my rip. You know, let me work on uh, flipping my hips on certain plays. So it just depends who's playing and who you're talking about. But there are some guys where – they're doing any and everything they can to make the team. And then there are other guys who are just trying to like uh, Jacob Martin, you, you know, and I'm not saying he's made the team. So don't, don't say that I put that out there, but when he's playing, I feel like he's a guy that's just working on something that he wants to improve on. But a gr- guy like Kurt Heinish, even with the nice season that he had last year, this is a guy that's trying to prove that he should be on the roster. So there's going to be different approaches to the game. Indy, as a defensive lineman, as I watch this group and I've, kind of forecasting ahead with what they have on the defensive line and it feels like it's a more stout group it feels like it's a deeper group but when D'Amico was in San Francisco you would see four guys come out you know it'd be Bosa, Armstead, 
um, and whoever else they had up front. And then sometime in the first quarter, he'd bring in another wave of guys. As a defensive lineman, was that something, and, and I don't know how it worked every stop of your career, but do you think for a defensive lineman that's beneficial, the fact that, okay, I can be fresh as the game goes on, or do you not like it because you get out of rhythm? You know, you've been really working at left tackle, then you go out of the game, you bring in the second wave of guys, you go back in, and maybe the tackles made some adjustments. Does that kind of slow your movement? How do you kind of look at a defensive line rotation of eight, potentially nine guys that just kind of come in waves? It's huge if your defensive line coach and your defensive coordinator trust the guys to rotate themselves. When I was in Philadelphia during the run where we were winning the division and losing in the conference championships, but we had a lot of success on defense, we got to the point where these were the eight defensive linemen, and you had your stars. Your stars. You had your Hugh Douglases. You had your mm-hmm. uh, Corey Simons. Those were the starters, but our coaches trusted us enough where at that time I was backing up Hugh Douglas. It was like, hey, Kalu, when Hugh's tired, tap him out, go give him a break, then he's going to come back in. So you, you, you didn't give yourself a chance to get out of a groove because the stars, the Will Andersons, the Malik Collins, if uh, Roy Lopez or Hassan Ridgeway is trying to come in for him, they're going to be like, no, I'm good, I'm good. But then when they're tired, they rush him in. So if they give them the ability to trade themselves in and out, to rotate themselves in and out, I don't think it's going to mess with their the, the groove that they get in. Andy Kalu with us. Andy, we didn't see much of Will Anderson the other night, but we saw certainly some. And then at practice yesterday, he's wrecking everybody. And people ask me, who haven't seen much, what kind of player is he? How do you describe him? He's a pass rusher, yes. He's a great edge player, yes. I guess all of the above. How would you describe him? What are you seeing so far? What do you think the upside is for him as we go further in his career because I always point out Mario only had four sacks his rookie year everybody just like hit the brakes a little bit the expectations seem sky high and JJ had five sacks his rookie year what are you seeing out of Anderson so far violent hands and I love it you you know what's funny the most impressive thing that I saw to Will Anderson was during pregame so for those that don't know during pregame the defensive line They'll butt heads with the offensive linemen and they'll kind of just knock the dust off and it'll give them a chance just to hit each other and get used to the contact. But you typically take care of each other during that drill. And John's right there, so he sees it up close. I saw Will Anderson hitting guys and I was like, hey, that's your teammate. You're about to take on the Patriots. Like, save some of that for the Patriots. But that's just who he is. It looks like he, he appears to be one of those guys that there's no middle. You either turn it on or off, and he's always on. And and I love that because you have to be violent to be successful, especially at that position. He, As far as sacks, you know, four, five, six, seven sacks, I don't know how many sacks he's going to have, but he's going to be very disruptive if he stays healthy. Yeah, yesterday, holy smokes, he was on one. The offense couldn't block him yesterday. It was, uh, And it was just exactly that. And the, there was one play in practice where he literally dove had Damian Pierce on a run play. I'm like, what is he doing? This guy's a nut. On the other side of the ball, and Indy, obviously you played in the most important spot. You played in the trenches where it you got to win in the trenches. There's no doubt about that. And so you never really had to face anybody with speed like Tank Dell. But how do you think defenses now, and I don't say now, but when Tank Dell gets in a rhythm for this team, and, and what we saw the other night, boy, he really got in one and worked himself into the lather. And I think there were two passes from Davis Mills that actually could have put him even more so but how much pressure do you think Tank Dell puts on a defense and how do you think that changes things on that defensive side of the ball a a whole lot of pressure the toughest thing to defend 
It's not size. It's not strength. It's not even a great route that you run. Those are all very important. But the toughest thing to defend is speed. And Tank Dell has speed and quickness. And he's game time fast. You know, you have guys that you've scouted and you hear, oh, he runs a 4-2, he runs a 4-3, or he even runs a 4-4. But it's like, well, I don't see it when the pads are on. With Tank Dell, I don't know what his 40 time is, but he appears to be faster than whatever he ran at the combine. And he's consistently fast and quick. And that's what gives defensive coordinators headaches because you just don't know who to use to match him up. A safety's not going to be fast enough. Do you bring in an extra cornerback? It's one of those guys that as a youngster, third round pick, undersized guys, you might think it's crazy to think that defensive coordinators are going to have to have special packages to defend him. But with that speed, that's absolutely what they're going to have to do. Andy, let's talk about CJ here. We didn't see much the other night, a handful of reps. So I asked D'Amico Ryans this. I'll ask you this. How does he get better, and how do you get him reps but not expose him too much to injury possibilities? Because he needs to play, clearly. He needs the experience, but you don't want to risk anything. How do you balance all that out as we move through these next couple of weeks? You control what you control. You, you can't control injury. As tough, and, and I know I'm in the minority on this, so I'm not going to sit up here and even say that I'm right, but in my opinion, especially with the young guy that's supposed to be the face of your franchise, this is the time you just put them out there and you tell those guys up front, you tell George Font, you tell Michael Theater, you tell uh, Jimmy Morrissey, like, hey, we understand you aren't the starters right now, but you better act like it when you're protecting C.J. Stroud because you can't have too many reps where as soon as he gets the ball, the pocket's collapsing and he's getting sacked. But with C.J. Stroud and any player, uh, in my opinion, Mark, especially young players, you, you can't be afraid of injury. Football is a violent, violent sport. How many times do we read uh, throughout the week, this player got hurt at practice, this player got hurt uh, during drills. But when you don't see it in preseason games, it doesn't resonate. And I feel like the NFL as a whole, as a whole they're afraid to get guys hurt during preseason games but they're not afraid to get them hurt at practice, which just doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. But it's because they don't want all the uh, the court of public opinion saying, oh, you could have done this better, you could have kept him out here or there. But my long answer to your quick, easy question, you can't be afraid of injury. You just have to put guys out there and let them play. This is a violent, violent sport. And somebody would be – it would be ridiculous to blame a coach, a trainer, a general manager if a player gets injured during preseason. It would just be ridiculous. It's a violent sport. Indeed, joint practices – Coming up this week against the Miami Dolphins, I would I would assume that you had been through some, but maybe not. But just in general, joint practices, they always get a little spicy um, at certain times. And I think Sean actually hit it. Sean and Seth actually hit it. It's going to be Jimmy Ward hitting Tyreek Hill. That's going to set it off. I got a feeling. Um, Christian Harris almost set one off with Devin Singletary. But what's been your experience with joint practice, Andy? And do you enjoy them? Is it fun for the players to see a different color jersey? Or is it just another kind of necessary evil to get through training camp? Love, love, love joint practices. Love them as a player because every day was – do you all remember that movie? And I'm showing my age, Groundhog Day. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So when you wake up and it's just the exact same thing every day. That's what training camp was like back when I played, and I'm sure it's like that now. And then you add in just the the pain of how your body feels every single morning. But it got to the point where 
it was a little bit boring. It was a little bit boring because you're facing the same guy. So to be able to have those competitions against someone wearing a different jersey, to be able to show off. And, and let's be real, a lot of these players, they like to show off in front of other people. So to be able to show off in front of another coaching staff, in, in front of other players, it really gets you hyped. It really gets you excited. So I personally loved them. I would say 95% of the guys uh, love the joint practices. And yeah, you know there's going to be a situation where a fight occurs. I have the over-under. If someone asks, I put it at two and a half. I'm going to say it's going to be right under because <laughs> I think it'll be right at two uh, two fights. I don't know what's going to spark it. I will I will venture off and say it's going to be guys that are buried on the depth chart who are trying to to get noticed. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be the big-time players, the big-name players. Can't wait for joint practices Wednesday and Thursday. Andy, you got so much Twitter love, or is it X? If you say X love, that sounds really bad. That sounds bad. Uh, Twitter love yes. after your broadcast debut with the Texans preseason crew on Thursday night. I've never seen anything like it in broadcasting, I think. The, it was overwhelmingly wonderful. I think you can run for office right now, by the way. <laughs> but I'm going to your Twitter account. It's at ND Simple enough. I mean, you got the handle all right. And you haven't tweeted since January. Are you going to get back on Twitter? I'm definitely going to get back on Twitter. Or X. You know what? I wouldn't mind some of that X love. Some of my X <laughs> you know, not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. So that, that would be yeah. sweet also. Uh, sorry, honey, if the wife's listening. But no, I, I'm definitely... <laughs> Uh, definitely going to get back on and be active. I, I like Twitter. I like interacting with folks, but when I walked away from the radio show, I figured eh, nobody cares about what you have to say now. So now that I'm back in the mix and get a chance to talk about uh, football on a weekly, daily basis, I'm definitely going to get back on. But I appreciate that. I haven't had a chance to look yet. Uh, but no, nah, when you told me that, that, that made me feel good. All my ex-girlfriends live in Houston, so I'm always careful about that. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always careful. That's right. You can't be any more careful than I am. All right, we get back. Let's talk to our friend Andre Where We had a blast talking to Dre. And it's someone at practice. Let's hit that next on Texas All Access. All right, let's go. Monday edition Texas All Access keeps coming at you. John Harris, your host. Now it's time to get the three radio dudes together. Mark Vandermeer, myself, and Andre Where But we had a lot to talk about with Dre. Here we go. Here we go. First and goal at the six. Mills in the gun. Mechie right side. Tank to the left. Davis gets the snap. Looking Ooh, got him. left. Throws that way. And bobbled and caught on the bobble. He caught it. And it's a touchdown. Go Cougs. <laughs> Tank Dell. Touchdown reception in the preseason. Number one of his career. I mean, there's a lot happening I, there, okay? I did not hear I don't You didn't hear that? that oh, no. I heard it. <laughs> I was right there next to him. Uh, and just hear it. Mechie to the right. Tank to the left, and Tank makes the bobbling catch. You know, and like you gotta wait. You know, you don't know if he's in. Mm -hmm. If they're gonna call it a touchdown, they called it a touchdown. And Andre saying, "Go Cougs!" I mean, there's a lot happening right there in that cut. So I was gonna ask Dre this in my pregame hit because you had Marcus Jones on the Patriots side with punt returns, picks, you know, mm -hmm. whomever, whatever. You had Case Keenum, obviously, and you had Tank Dell. What were the odds that a Cougar was gonna get in the end zone? Well, they were the gonna, somebody were was going. The odds were pretty good, yep. and Tank Dell got in the end zone. Some Cougar pride showing there, and it's a good thing. Yeah, shining through a little Cougar pride, and was happy for Tank and the start that uh, that he got off to. Uh, happy for Case as well, the way he played uh, when he came in the game, showed some, you know, the ability to to operate the huddle in a new offense that. 
he's having to learn and you know he showed a vet, veteran presence so kind of proud of the Cougars Marcus didn't get to see much of him uh in this one but uh, I'm sure during the season we're going to see a lot of Marcus Dre, I've thought a lot about Tank as I watched games throughout this weekend, and I watched Justin Fields. He had 128 yards throwing. He threw two screens. But it made me think about Tank in this sense, and I want to get your thoughts having played the position. Having a guy that can give you a one-play drive because he can take a screen 75 to the house. He can burn a safety or a corner on a post route and go 75 to the house. As a quarterback and just to an offense, how important is it to have a guy that you know can turn in a one-play drive when you need it most? Yeah, it's important because what he does is he opens up the field for everyone, not only the plays that you just described, but now all right, I'm a defensive coordinator. I can't let, for example, Tank Dell take, you know, just operate on this side of the field. So I got to take this away from him. So I'm going to, uh, you know, account for him with another defender. Well, that opens up opens it up for someone else to make plays until you can hit – those big plays over the top again, going back to that player. So it, it's uh, it's it's essential. It's important, and not everybody actually ever gets to play with one. Uh, but when you do, you know you have a special player. All right, Andre. Let's talk quarterbacking here. It was only a handful of reps for C.J. Stroud. Everybody overanalyzing it, but that's all they got. So I get it on one hand, but on the other hand. How do you develop him, continue to get him reps, yet not risk him too much to injury? It's kind of a slippery slope if you do too much, I guess. But he's got to play. So how do you handle this situation with him? And maybe the other rookie quarterbacks, too, because he didn't get as many snaps, I think, as maybe Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson. But you know, right. they all got to get better. They all got to play to get better. What do you think? Yeah, and we don't know the ins and outs of, of everyone else's situation, but you know we can we know this one. There were three starters on the offensive line that weren't there mm-hmm. uh, that entered training camp as starters, and so uh, whether by injury or just giving them rest or giving them the night off, whatever it is, uh, they weren't there, and that's a clear reflection. I don't care what's around uh, CJ; it's a clear reflection on him when you're going against the other team's ones and you're expected to have ones uh, to face him and, and protect him. So uh, from that standpoint, you're already, in my opinion, going to get somewhat of a clouded report card, Whether it's, it, and I'm saying that uh, in a sense that it's, it's an up-and-down performance in your first game as a rookie in the preseason. Uh, I expected that. But uh, when, you, when you mix in, there's no Laramie Tunsil there, no uh, Titus Howard, Scott Quisenberry, you know, th- that's a lot to remove from an offense. I don't care what type of skilled players are around C.J. Stroud. Last year, Dre, uh, and the year before that, the three of us had the, the joy of watching this run defense really not act like a run defense. And I know it's one game into the preseason, but we've seen it in training camp. How much different, Dre, do you think this run defense can be with the additions, with just the, the change to D'Amico's being defensive coordinator and head coach? How – I mean, maybe it started, you know, on Thursday night against the Patriots, but just in general, how good do you think this run defense can be for this group? I think it can be really good. And uh, you saw signs of that uh, during that first preseason game against New England. It was you know, a team that can, can move it a little bit on the ground and give you a stiff test. But uh, there, was one, there was one point, I think, Johnny, there was the, the Patriots had in the first half seven carries for six yards or yeah. something of that, that magnitude. I mean, it was crazy. And 
is something that we just weren't used to uh, last year. It was the Achilles heel of this team, and I'm guarantee I guarantee you that it was a, an area of this team that D'Amico focused on first and foremost because he knows that you can't win games in this league if you can't stop the run. And uh, we saw that up close and personal last year. Uh, it, it is a painful, slow death in the football world and uh, something that was refreshing to see the other night that uh, they were able to get that done. And I expect it to get better and better the more defense defensive installation that goes in, the more guys get comfortable within the system and start to play a little bit faster as well because of that comfort uh, in his defensive system. So it's going to be fun to watch. Dre, joint practices this week, two of them with the Dolphins, then the game. Then next week, two with the Saints, then the game. They have six hard contact sessions with other teams in a 12-day period starting Wednesday. Your thoughts on what's coming up with this team in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, I know a lot of guys, you guys are fans of the joint practices and things of that sort. I'm not. Uh, maybe it's the former player in me. I don't know what what it is. Maybe it's the fan in me that wants to see it uh, displayed in the preseason because I know that if, uh, <clears throat> if there are joint practices, there's a pretty good chance I may not see Laramie Tunsil this week. There's a pretty good chance I might not, I may not see Damian Pierce this week for whatever reasons. And uh, obviously, you know, you're going to try to protect those players. But you know, I, I'm I'm of the feeling that injuries can happen at any time. Uh, I just like the old-fashioned model of of uh, let's get through the practices and then let's go compete and leave it all on the field during a preseason game because that's what you're calling it. So it's good work for the players. It's good situational work for the for the coaches. I'm just a tra- traditionalist where I like it the old-fashioned way. All right, Dre, last year we got a chance to see Tua up close. I think you called a couple of games of Tua in his career. If yeah. Complete this sentence. Actually, both of you. I want both of you to complete this sentence. Okay. Dre, start with you. If Tua Tungabailoa is healthy in 2023, dot, 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 fill in the rest of that sentence. They compete for the they, AFC East title. <laughs> That's all I got. You told me I was first, and he jumps in there. I oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, I, I jumped in. I, I stole I think, your thunder. I think they are not only what Mark just described, but I think they're a legit Super Bowl contender. If he stays healthy, uh, and, and they have health around him, uh, they, the Dolphins are scary, and they are scary on both sides of the ball. But they're already off to – uh, you know, a bad start from that standpoint, from an injury standpoint, with Ramsey on the shelf right now. Uh, mm. They they are loaded everywhere. And, I mean, it's not just one and two deep. It's one and one A at a lot of positions, which is what you try to build to on a football team. Mm. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to watch uh, that AFC East unfold. And Aaron Rodgers just with so the New York Jets. so much speed on that, on that team, on the Dolphins team. If they had a legit running back and i mean legit it's over mm. devon a chain baby oh yeah on a chain i watched a little bit of that game against the falcons and a chain caught a couple passes in the flats holy yeah. smokes i mean that guy's a legit 4-2 40 guy i mean he's a I just 10, don't know if chains in every Ooh. down if he's an every That's down guy where he very can nice. take the pound you know down in and down out okay all right for both of you then the Dolphins then sign Dalvin Cook in that ooh, offense. Ooh, no. How does that change the calculus? Forget about it. Forget it. And I'm shocked that they haven't. Uh, he's a Florida guy, you know, and so I'm shocked that 
they hadn't been able to sway him to take a little bit less money to come, you know, with an opportunity to go compete for the playoffs and the Super Bowl and you're the missing piece, whatever the marketing ploy is or whatever the sales pitch is that they want to sell him on. Uh, if, if he goes there and they stay healthy with Tua, it's, uh, that's a scary scene in the AFC. Trey, barring injury, let's say Ryan Tannehill does not get hurt. Does Will Levis or Malik Willis end up playing in Nashville this year? Or does Tannehill hang out of the gig? Not this year. They're, they feel like they've got one more year with this group, with Tannehill, to give it at least one more run. Now, Levis may get some time here. He'll get a bunch in the preseason. But if, you know, if, the, if Tannehill doesn't get injured, they're, they're, trying, they're pushing all their, their chips to the middle of the table and they're going to roll the dice and every other analogy you want to use. But if it doesn't happen this year for Tennessee in a legit run, then Tannehill's out and they move on to one of these two younger quarterbacks. What did you think of the Titans rotating quarterbacks so they'd get a series each? They'd keep rotating back and forth. You know how I feel about that, man. I can't stand it. I can't stand that crap. I was about throwing up in my mouth while trying to watch that game, man. That's just horrible. That's not football. It's horrible. It is horrible. And, uh, you know, because you never get a rhythm that way. You never get a rhythm right. uh, that way. And, you you know, it's every, every other series that you're going, give me a series. Let me run, you know, let me go. Let me play it like a game, a couple of series in a row, and then let the other guy go, and he can have all he wants. But, I was, you know, I'm trying to show you all you need to see within the series that I'm getting. I, I can't stand every other series. It may as well be every other play like Spurrier used to do with at, uh, at Florida Ooh. with Jesse Palmer oh. and, and a couple of guys down there. That was horrible in and of itself. Wait, he did it with Rex and he did it with Berlin, right? No, he did it with Noah Brindice and Doug Johnson in 1997 against Florida State. Each yeah. and every play and then beat Florida State with it. He did it again with, with it. Palmer because yeah. I remember Jesse telling the story. Yeah. And so, you know, that that is that's horrible. Horrible. You and know what? That was thing, Spurrier played the position. He would hate it too. Mm. That was the talk radio <laughs> equivalent of home run derby pitch, where I just lobbed it in there over the plate. I knew Trey was going <laughs> to drill that one. So, so there we go with the rotating quarterbacks. All right, I'll I'll ask this one for both of you as well. And Mark and I just talked about this. So, Dre, I want you to hit on this. What's the toughest position cut right now with the Texans? And and I know. I know, Dre, we talked about, you know, injuries can solve some things, which we don't want to, but it can. You know, obviously, we've already lost Scott Quesenberry, so that moved Juice into that starting spot. But as you start going through this roster, I think for the first time in a while, I'm looking at it going, I think there are some really difficult cuts on this team, and I think there are going to be some guys getting cut that will get picked up by teams elsewhere. What position, Dre, do you think has the toughest cut right now, all things considered? Oh man, that's that's a great question. And as you're asking it, I'm scanning the the depth chart, trying to figure it out. I think maybe running back because there's some there's yeah. some explosive young players uh, there. I also think defensive line, believe it or not, mm-hmm. is yep. going oh, to yeah. be a tough tough mm-hmm. cut because uh, there's some really really good young inside players that are you know having a struggle and and uh, learn a new defense as well as trying to earn an, a roster spot to stick around. Um, and then maybe linebacker as well. There's a lot of good competition 
going on at that spot, those spots as well. So those are the three areas I would focus on right now. Uh, that's assuming that you have everything else shored up and the players that you want at other positions because that could easily happen where another player is cut in Detroit, and for instance, and then all of a sudden you find him on the Texans roster leading into uh, to opening day. So uh, I think a lot, a lot of unfinished business and a long way to go. But uh, those, the, the, I really, really like the competition that's going on at running back. You want to check out the rest of that conversation with Dre, go to our Houston, Texas podcast page, and you can get it all right there. Man, some great stuff with Indy Kalu earlier and our man Andre, where we get back. Well, a former Cowboy is now a Patriot. How will that go? We'll talk about that, then, that next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. Glad you've been with me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. If you're Houston Texans, and as we go around the NFL, the biggest story, uh, I guess, is coming out of New England, where the New England Patriots have a new running back, and his name is Ezekiel Elliott, a one-year deal to join the Patriots. Looks like the money is not overly expensive for the Patriots. And so now you're going to get Mac Jones with a lot of help. Ramondre Stevenson at running back, Ezekiel Elliott at running back, and that is going to be ground and pound. Now, I don't know who's going to catch the football for them, but if that team wants to just hammer teams into submission and let Mac Jones throw it 15 times a game, that might actually be the way they want to do it. They have a defense, I think, that's going to be pretty salty. You know, we saw a couple of guys, um, but not a, not a ton. You throw Keon White into the mix with Josh Uche. Um, the guys they have up front, Devon Godshaw, Lawrence Guy. That's probably going to be a ground-and-pound type of team, and that's probably how they're going to do it in the AFC East and make those teams like it, I guess. Now, if they don't get much out of Mac, well – could maybe won't matter who's that running back, but right now it does. Ramondre Stevenson will get the bulk of the carries, but bearing the lead as I just did for the last minute is Ezekiel Elliott going to the New England Patriots. One year, about three million. I guess there's some incentives in there as well. But Ezekiel Elliott and Ramondre Stevenson going to be that one-two punch up in New England for Mac Jones, Bill O'Brien, and that Patriots offense. I remember hearing Belichick talk about this a while back, or somebody talking about it as a referred to Belichick and saying that one of the things that Belichick loved to do was find inefficiencies in the way that teams are doing things. Like, all right, teams are you know, playing a bunch of um, light defense linemen. We'll run the ball. Oh, they're playing a bunch of heavy guys. Okay, we're going to throw it. They always kind of zig when you zag, and maybe this is them zigging when everybody else is zagging. All the throwing games around the league, all the passing that's going on. Maybe they just go back to old school ground and pound. We'll see if it works, but Ezekiel Elliott is a New England Patriot, and that is the end of the show. Appreciate you guys for being here. Appreciate it, and D and Andre for joining me and Mark. Appreciate all you guys for listening. We'll see you next time, and as always, go Texans.